Thanks, guys. It's kind of weird over there. Um, yeah, so my name is Lee Vartanian. I am the senior pa- associate pastor and prophet of the house here. Um, so there's my name, because I always forget to do that when I come up here and talk, and then nobody knows who I am. Uh, but I had a message that I was going to preach based on the last message I preached, which was the first of our Make Your Bed series. And then God like gave me this revelation last week in a conversation I had with our care pastor, Jonathan Helms, here, um, which I then taught to our staff on Tuesday, which kind of messed everybody's worlds up in a good way. Um, and so I'm going to start, I'm going to do that a little bit and uh, teach on that a bit today. Um, the enemy hates the message that I'm about to preach, and I'm saying that because I like to kind of put that in his face that I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I had to talk to Pastor Chad first about this. I was like, hey, like, I just want you to know this is what I'm going to talk about. I kind of get him to prove everything um, that's preached from our stage because it's his house. He's the father of this house, the papa of the house. Um, and he, all he said, his response was, take your time. <laughs> so I'm going to take my time. It's going to be fun. And they basically preached the message that I'm going to teach you guys today uh, with worship. So anyways, we're going to do it again. You guys didn't pick up on some of the things that God was sharing. Um, so the first time that I spoke, I started out with a confession. Um, if you guys remember my confession, it was that I was a hoarder, yeah. right? And you could do like a TV series on me if you wanted to. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean that seriously, like I have a storage barn still, have a storage barn. It's like a tiny home-sized storage barn where all of my outdoor gear is. Um, any outdoor enthusiasts out there? You guys can collect, right? Over, over the years, you collect things. And so the last Sunday I gave, that I spoke, I gave an update on my progress, um, talked about throwing some like papers and documents away. Well, um, I have an exciting and also kind of embarrassing confession to share with you guys today. Um, so if you guys are ready for that, uh, yeah, it's that I've been talking about my storage barn, but what I haven't been talking to you guys about is what I have stashed away in the house, right? So... Um, you know, so it, it's embarrassing, but you'll see that it's actually progress that I'm making. So um, God knows that my heart's bent towards uh, obedience. Like, he knows that that's my desire, right? We're just, I'm trying. He knows I'm trying. And so he prompted a brother of mine, a dear friend, um, Joe Reynolds over here, who is uh, on staff here at Bridgeway and also going to be helping us lead the Ascent Leadership School, which we're really excited about. Yeah. Uh, but he prompted him to ask me, do you have a backpack that I might have? Great question, right? Um, And the answer, Joe, is yes. I have lots of backpacks. Uh, Every one of my backpacks, though, has a purpose. So I have, I have, uh, I have a a one-day backpack. I have a multi-day backpack. I have a a expedition pack for longer trips. Um, I got rock climbing packs, sport climbing packs, trad climbing packs, haul bags. Um, So the answer is yes. Uh, But I am gonna, I am actually gonna give him. One of those packs. And so now I'm happy to announce that my purging has now moved. <laughs> my wife's celebrating. Uh, my purging's moved from my shed to now my home. Um, and there's like this little spot that I have in the house. It's, it's my shop. It's like a walk-in closet size space. But that's where like all my really important uh, treasures are. And so this is coming out of that space in my house and is going to be given to Joe. So... So yeah, so thank you guys for holding me accountable. This has actually really been helping me because I know I got to get up and God makes me share something every time I speak. So I have to make some progress. 
Uh, now, we're in a series called Make Your Bed, right? Uh, we talked about how that does not look like anything like the bed that I had in boot camp. Um, but we're talking about it because the boring brings a breakthrough, and it's the little things that really matter because everything builds on the other. Um, in boot camp, I last two weeks ago, I talked to you guys about some of the wonders of boot camp. And one of those wonders is how we were woken up in the morning. If you guys remember the boot camp alarm clock, uh, it was a galvanized trash can, steel trash can, that they throw down the uh, squad bay to wake us up in the morning. Um, and I also talked about the drill instructor's insane obsession um, with making our beds and like folding sheets and stuff, and they get all excited about it and yell about it, use lots of expletives. Um, but we also talked about boot camp being a progression, Right, so we talked about how everything that we do kind of builds on the other thing. Um, we talked about the importance of doing the little things right in boot camp. And we also talked about how that progression brings about tr- true, lifelong, lasting transformation. Um, the example that we used uh, is another dear friend of mine over here, uh, Mike Jones. And he is proof that the statement, once a Marine, always a Marine, is true, right? Because if you know Mike, you know that he is hammering tires in his backyard um, like they did something to him. And also um, he'll go running in like lightning and thunder and it's like exciting to him. He's also shredded um, like wheat. So yeah, so that's Mike. <laughs> Not that I'm checking out your calves. Um, right, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so last week, um, Pastor Shad started talking about something that we talk about a lot here on staff and I think amongst um, our church family as well. And that's the setting the mountain of God. Uh, now, Pastor Chad's not here, which you guys, obviously, he's not sitting in the front row, so you guys know that. Um, him and Pastor Wendy are in the UK ministering to the Vineyard Church, yeah. if you guys knew that or not. Um, so he's over there. He actually preached at the largest Vineyard Church in the UK today um, and gave me a report this morning that they spent 10 hours prophesying over the um, Vineyard's leadership team in the UK, right? So God is uh, moving, and it's pretty exciting. Um, so Psalms 24, 3 through 4 is one of the verses that um, Pastor Chad referenced last week. And it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and your pure heart. Now, if we're going to connect the dots between ascending the mountain of God and boot camp, um, then I'm going to have to share a little bit more about boot camp with you. So who would like to hear more about boot camp? It's exciting. It's fun. And it saves you the hassle of having to sign up, right? Yeah. You can get all the benefits without having to do it. It's great. Um, so in boot camp, there, you, get, you get transported boot camp on a bus. And that bus has to travel over a bridge because it's Paris Island and it's an actual island. There's only one bridge on and off that base, at least that they told us about. Um, and the DIs made sure as soon as you got on base that you knew that actually the only real way to get off the island was by walking across the parade deck at graduation. Um, That they they guard the gate, they guard that bridge, and so you're not going to get off the island. Um, And when they say that, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, if you mess up or do something, I'm sure they'll make an exception, send you home, kick you out of the boot camp. But um, the reality is is they weren't bluffing, Uh, which is how it is for most of boot camp. You think that whatever they said is crazy, there's no way to do that, and then you find out, yeah, well, there isn't a way. They're going to teach you that way, and you're going to do it over and over and over again until you get it. So one of the things that they, they, sh- they do when we first arrive is this thing called uh, the moment of truth, 
If you're a Marine, then you know about the moment of truth. And, you know, this recruit that we had that was in our platoon um, actually proved that these drill instructors weren't bluffing when it came to the fact that you're going to have to be on that island until you graduate, no matter how long that takes. You see, in this moment of truth, this recruit lied because right before boot camp, he had one last smoke. This wasn't a Marlboro cigarette that he was smoking, kids. Um, So he lied about it, right? So the moment of truth is really more like uh, an interrogation. Okay, so it sounds like moment of truth. You're going to get up and like do something great and have some testimony. It's like an interrogation, and it's the last chance that you have in boot camp at confessing anything that could have a negative impact on your Marine career without it being held against you. It's like your one free chance, free, get out of jail free card. Uh, and it's really intimidating. I don't know why this guy would have lied. I guess he was like freaked out. He thought maybe the consequences or he, I don't know. He, he didn't know that there were going to be random drug tests, I guess, right? So the random drug test at, at, at boot camp. Well, so this thing is so intense that you're hearing kind of out in the periphery as people get called over to the, to the desk where they're getting interviewed, um, you hear them people confessing all kinds of things. Like you put the pressure on and people are just like confessing, you know, like they picked up a pack of gum when they were two, three or four years old at the checkout line. Their mom probably paid for it, but they're confessing it like it's a crime. My confession, I, I was a little Bible thumper, so I didn't have a ton to confess, but I did have to confess to every time that I sped because I would speed. Anytime I went over the speed limit, I literally thought that they were maybe going to find a way to like backtrack, you know, maybe they're watching, I don't know. Um, and they're like changing lanes without putting my blinker on. Like those are the things I'm confessing, but I'm like confessing them. Like I, like you'd confess a felony. Like this is like, I'm thinking that, oh my gosh, this is the end. It's, I'm never going to make it through this. I'm going to go to jail. Um, and so like, you know, people are just confessing and confessing. Well, he didn't. And he found out the hard way that they actually did um, do drug tests on Paris Island when you get there, first thing. And his drug test didn't come back, uh, the results didn't come back in until a month into boot camp. So he's been going at it for a month, hoping and praying that, oh Lord, I hope nobody, uh, nobody catch it, catches it, or maybe it was too soon before the test, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, but the reality was um, the results came back and he just disappeared. Like, we didn't know where he went. All we knew was the sheets were stripped off his rack. Uh, his foot locker was cleared out, and nobody saw him again. Um, that is until about two weeks before our graduation. You see, the GIs told us that the only way off Paris Island was across the parade deck. So even though he left, we'd all assume that I'm sure that, you know, he had some kind of consequence, um, but he's probably back home. It's kind of the assumption that we made. And we actually saw him on a march that we were doing two weeks before we graduated um, when we marched by the brig, which is the jail, on base. Um, and he was out in the courtyard behind, on the other side of barbed wire fence. Because you see, they weren't bluffing. And the reality was, is that if you were, once you start the process, which begins when you raise your right hand at the recruiting depot and swear in, sign your name on the dotted line, and begin, your process to graduation starts. And every decision that you make has a positive or negative consequence in terms of getting you closer to or further from graduation. And there was always something to do at boot camp. Um, There was always some test to take. It really never did stop. In boot camp, the DIs 
take pride in hammering away at the reality that movement is extremely important, very important in combat, um, because in, boot camp, or in combat, movement is life. It stands to reason that if you get shot in a certain spot um, in combat, that same spot is the most likely place for you to get shot again. And so in the military, we refer to that as the X. And it's your job and the job of your buddies to get you and or your buddies off that X. Now, the DIs train us in that by having us do all kinds of crazy things. Um, and they say that they call it, they, they call them games, that they're playing games. I guess that sounds more PC if you're going to like tell stories like I'm telling now and you're talking about games instead of what you're actually doing, which I can't uh, get into. Um, but one of the things that they loved saying was that uh, oh, there, there are lots of boot camp uh, DI-isms. Let me just say that, and I can't share them with you guys because um, they're super inappropriate, pretty much all of them. Um, <laughs> Mike knows. Uh, so I will, but I will share one of them with you guys just because I feel like, you know, when am I going to get a chance to talk about boot camp again? Uh, we're in the Make Your Bed series. So one of the things they loved saying was that, oh, you like to play games. I have more games than Milton Bradley. And I, that's back in the day when board games were a thing. So, like, I don't know what they say now, right? Like, you want to play games? I got more apps than Apple. Um, but they would, they would make us play these games, and it would basically mean us doing things over and over and over again. And we didn't know at the time. But what they were doing is that they were intentional in that because they were teaching us the importance of always moving. Because the reality is, is that on the battlefield, there is nothing that stops or stands still. Everything that happens involves movement. Every movement has a positive or negative consequence. You see, the reality is is that we're all moving as well. We may not be in a literal battlefield with people taking shots at us, but just like we talked about earlier today in worship, we're still in battles. Um, We're still fighting, um, even though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And movement is still life. In the ascent... We're either getting closer to or further from the Father. Joshua 6.24 says, uh, yeah. says, No one can serve two masters. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Joshua 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, the last time that I spoke, I shared with you guys that to pass the Marine Corps rifle qualification involved uh, being, having the potential of failing a test. And if you fail that test in rifle qualification, you get recycled. Um, we made the connection to that, and times in our lives where we come up against challenges uh, that cause us to kind of go around the mountain is a term that we'd use. Um, but the same principles apply to our lives that apply to us in boot camp. You see, if the Father just gave us free passes, just like the DI just gave us free passes, anytime we have a struggle or a challenge, we wouldn't actually be prepared um, for what was to come. He was, the DIs were very in, intentional in preparing us for combat, and the Father's intentional too. He doesn't want to lose any opportunity that he has to help prepare us for what's next. In our ascent, when we hit a wall, we start a cycle. We hear, we hear those cycles referred to, like I said earlier, as uh, taking a lap, right? Like going around the mountain. And they can represent, represent many things, right? So taking a lap 
or going around the mountain, you, you hit a wall. Maybe it's because of you've, you've hit the extent of your understanding. Um, perhaps it's something that's just a challenge or a battle. Some opposition has come up in your life. Um, it could be something that you face on a regular basis that you just can't seem to shake. But whatever that is, it represents an opportunity for us to grow. Um, and really, the thing that dictates whether we grow or not is whether we agree with the enemy's lies, right, or the Father's truth. If you keep taking laps around the mountain, this is something that people don't typically like to talk about, and I understand why. Um, If you keep taking laps around the mountain over and over again in that exact same spot, in that exact same area of your life, at some point, um, what begins to happen is you begin the descent instead of the ascent because of that principle that we just talked about. You're believing something, either the Father's truth and continuing to ascend or the enemy's lies. I don't have an equation for like how long that takes. Uh, For the children of Israel, it was like 40 years, right? I mean, like they lost an entire generation, um, but God still tarried with them and they still got to go in the promised land. So you got that extreme. And then the other side of it is, you know, I talked about two Sundays ago, how, you know, for me, anger was like something that I'm constantly dealing with. Um, And there's things in your life, too, that may be themes, you know, a thorn in your side that you may be stuck with um, for life for whatever reason. But the important thing to point out, though, is that you have to continue to make progress, even in that. If it's the same thing you're hitting, it doesn't mean you're taking a lap in the same spot if you're higher in elevation. I use the example of a ridgeline, right? Like, if you're higher on a ridgeline at a higher elevation, You'd acknowledge the fact that you're on that same ridgeline, that you hit it again, um, but you'd, you'd recognize that it's actually at a different location, a different point, um, higher up on the mountain. Now, um, one of my God-given vocation responsibilities here at Bridgeway, um, this is kind of tied into the prophet of the house role, uh, is exposing the enemy's uh, lies. And it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, if you've been ministered to by me or on staff, you know that, you know, one of the things that I can kind of turn on at the drop of a hat is the ability to see the enemy at work in any given circumstance. Um, doesn't sound very positive, but the outcomes are positive. So it is really positive. And I, I, I mean, I do thoroughly enjoy it because I love sticking it to the enemy. Um, this next part I'm going to talk about is going to stick it to the enemy so hard that he has been trying to prevent me from saying it for a week and a half now, and God literally had me stretch out um, before the message in the natural because I'm about to give him a whooping. Um, So yeah, so what we're going to do is pull the curtain back on a very important area um, that may seem basic, maybe blow your mind, I don't know, Uh, but we're going to pull the curtain back and shine his light in an area that rarely gets light uh, shined on it. So I'm kind of excited about it. So something the church body and staff have been talking a lot about, we've, I don't know if we said it like 15 times during worship, um, is this term called exposure, right? Um, And so exposure was the theme for the youth camp, youth summer camp. There they are. Hey, guys. Um, Right? Uh, Pastor Wendy has been saying, has been praying this prayer um, where she's asking God to shine his light and expose the truth. And I don't know, as a staff, and I feel like as a body, we're going through this period, this season of exposure where we're really consecrating ourselves um, for what's to come. Um, let me see a quick show of hands. If you guys have experienced or been in a season recently or even right now where you feel like God's exposing things that he wants to shine his light on, just raise your hand. You guys look around. It is 
almost everyone in here, right? And so that is super exciting and really important to, to note because it's when we expose ourselves and open ourselves up to the Father that He's able to shine His life-giving light into our situation and turn that darkness into light, death into life. Um, we should be asking for it, requesting it on a regular basis. Um, one of the things that the enemy hates more than anything else, which is why I get excited because I love what he hates, um, is us talking about the ascent, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of common knowledge, right, that we want to ascend the mountain of God. But do you really know why it is that that's such a sore spot for the enemy when we talk about ascend the mountain of God? Um, to the enemy, it's something that's extremely personal. Uh, Ezekiel 28, verse 14 gives us a, a hint to why. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. You see, the enemy was on the mountain of God before his fall. And the thought of anyone other than himself ascending that mountain is more than he can take. And he's an expert at knowing what it takes to ascend the mountain of God because as a created being, he was literally designed to exist in that environment. So nobody knows better how to attack you in the areas that are going to actually prevent your ascent than a person who knows what it takes to be at that mountain. Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 14 How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Uh, let me do another quick show of hands. Has anybody seen the show Stranger Things? If you haven't, I can't recommend it. <laughs> and if you're really sensitive to like spiritual things, I literally have to tell you not to watch it. Um, my wife's super sensitive to that kind of stuff, and like she had to stop watching it. So I'm not recommending it. But if you have seen it, then you have a pretty solid understanding of what I'm about to talk about. In the show, there's something called the Upside Down. And it's a shadow reflection, shadowy reflection of the world above, which we'd refer to as the right side up. Now, before we get any deeper into this conversation, we have to check off a few really important boxes um, so that we can all be on the same page. The first box to check off is that the enemy isn't a creator. So let's, I'm going to check some. He's a counterfeiter. Amen. That was a page over there. Um, and, and he himself is a created being. All right, this next part is going to really mess with you. Because if we've checked those boxes off, then we can understand that he is also bound to the confines in the form in which he was created. Now, his appearance may have changed, 
as a consequence to his fall. But when he, was, when he deceived a third of the angels, which is kind of what we have an understanding of through the, through the written word of God in terms of numbers, which there's a lot of them, uh, and caused him to fall, he didn't just get a third of one rank of angel. And the angels are now demons, but are also bound to the confines of the form in which they were created, which is now represented in their rank. Now, we do know that the enemy has rank, and we have an idea here, too, that we know that he also presents himself as something that he's not. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. But understand that he's talking about is a disguise. The enemy is not an angel of light. Um, he's simply masquerading or disguising himself as an angel of light. And I think that a lot of times people adopt this Hallmark card um, theory on angels and demons. And we kind of have an idea and see them as either having halos and wings or tails and pitchforks. Um, but we actually get a glimpse of the enemy's rank in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, when I say that they're bound to the confines of the form in which they're created, again, don't hear me say they look like like angels of light. I simply mean that they're created beings Who've been, rep- who've been repurposed for evil. Whatever level that they were designed to serve God at is the level they now serve the enemy. Whatever task it was that they were created to minister in the light, they now minister the opposite of in darkness. They reflect who they serve. Because even... In the spirit world, things are known by their fruit. First John 4, 4 says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You see, there's another side of the mountain of God coin. It's an inversion of that mountain. Now, from our perspective, it would appear to be a pit. But to the enemy's perspective, in the upside down... It's his mountain, and he's at the top. In the upside-down perspective, it could look like a person is climbing a mountain, passing elevation lines as they travel to its summit. But from heaven's perspective, they're on the descent. It's common knowledge that people in the occult can achieve higher levels of power and authority through practicing and performing acts that are in opposition to the written word of God. Their obedience to the enemy is what's driving their descent. And each level achieved represents a higher level of rebellion. When the prophet Samuel addresses King Saul's disobedience, look at, how, look at the words that he uses in 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. 
Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. On this side of the cross, obedience is our living sacrifice and our highest form of worship. And while it is true that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10, it's also actually people's worship that he's after. You see, the enemy represents the opposite of everything that God is. If we know the truth to be proven in the right side up, then we know the opposite is true in the upside down. And so if we ascend the mountain of God through obedience, then it's through disobedience that we descend. If obedience is the highest form of worship in the right side up, then disobedience would be the highest form of worship in the upside down. Now, I'm going to take a quick moment to give you guys a disclaimer, um, because I don't want you guys to hear what I'm sharing and think um, that I'm endorsing legalism. This is, we're not talking about or promoting legalism or some kind of crazy pursuit of checking all the right boxes off. Um, to ascend the mountain of God, to escape the flames of the upside down. Our pursuit should be one of love and pure joy, um, and it should be bringing life in us. But if we don't talk about both freedom and structure, then we're preaching a half-truth. And a half-truth is also uh, referred to as a lie. And so the enemy wins. Now, making the connection between um, disobedience and worshiping the enemy is like super intense, right? So a great next question to want to have answered is if that's happening, then how do we know whether we're going up or down in any given area of life? And if it isn't possible for us to be on a descent, then why do we hear verses talking about how jealous God is? Because what would there be for him to be jealous about? Um, Exodus thirty four fourteen says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And he's not talking to outsiders. He's talking to his kids. If there is only one side of the mountain of God coin, then what would he have to be jealous of? If we were launched after salvation on a one-way trip to the top of the mountain, then why would we need to have half the scriptures? to talk about us struggling and toiling and having battles to overcome. If we can grab hold of this concept, of this reality, within the context of a loving, life-giving, not enabling community, then it stands to provide us some serious fuel in our ascent and fueling it through obedience. So if you connected those dots, if we've made those connections, ascending versus descending, um, then that question should be in your mind, like, Lord, am I ascending or descending in a given area? Um, and that, we have to, to talk about that, we've got to go back to what I talked about a couple Sundays ago in Rifle Qual, which we talked about in Matthew verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 16 through 21, about fruit. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, when we're talking about fruit here at Bridgeway, um, we're not talking about things that you'd have to have a degree in theology to recognize in somebody else's life. Um, we believe that fruit should be visible to lost people. To me, like, if that's not the case, then what's the point? If we're not drawing the lost home, then what are we talking about? I mean, we're not getting ticks on some kind of list or gold stars. Like, it has to have an end. And for it to do its work, that fruit, even though they wouldn't use the same language as we might use, it should be articulable by a lost person. They may say something like, you know, you look completely different. You just have this life in your eyes. I just love being around you. You're never sick. Whatever the thing is. When we're saying the mountain of God and becoming more and more, more like him, we should be expressing his characteristics. We should be reflecting our true intended nature. In the kingdom of darkness, in the upside down, when people are descending this inverse mountain, um, they're becoming more and more like the enemy, which is a true rejection of their intended nature. So let's take, make it a point to remember that in this ascent up the mountain, that it is a progression. From one thing to the next, it doesn't ever stop. And that it's our choice to decide whether or not we are ascending or descending based on our free will. You see, the enemy hates us talking about this right now. Because for him to win, he needs us to not see this. He needs us to think that things that we're dealing with are just personality traits or characteristics that they're not that big a deal. It's just who I am. If we can believe those lies, then the enemy wins because we may be pursuing him up the mountain in certain areas of our life, but he can't have all of us if we don't know that there's some of us that needs to be rectified with the Father. So the band can come back up because what I want to do is I want us to take a moment... And I want us to give the Father some more time to continue doing the work that he started doing during worship. And that's exposing things that are inside of us that need to come out. Because for us to really pursue him and pursue friendship with him at the speed in which he wants us to be going up that mountain with the full benefits that the Father has available to us, we can't just go in halfway it can't be one foot in and one foot out. It has to be all in. And like I just said, you can't be all in if there's areas inside of you that haven't been exposed yet to the light. Because it's through that exposure to the light that we allow his power to come out. And when we're talking about his power, like let's put that in the context too. It's the same power that's inside of us that allowed Jesus Christ to go down into hell, which would be the top of that mountain, the inverse mountain, take the keys from the enemy and resurrect. That's the resurrection power that's within us. It's why he doesn't want us to know who we are in him. It's why he attacks identity so much in all of us. Because if we had a clue who we were and a clue as to what power was inside of us, we'd be unstoppable because 
he was unstoppable. Nothing could have kept him down there. And nothing can keep us from our pursuit if we fix our eyes on him and focus on ascending the mountain with clean hands and a pure heart. Um, if we could have the, the prayer servants come up. I'm gonna read a quick scripture. Ephesians 5, 8 through 13. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. There's that word expose again. It is shameful even to mention that the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Right now, if you guys would say that you feel like perhaps you're beat up in the battles, that the laps around the mountain have just worn you out, like you can't get your head above water, we want to pray for you. If you'd come down, we want to pray that God would shine his light on you, that he bring life, that he lift your head, that he take your burden. If you say that you feel like there's a, a prompting in your heart when I was talking about exposure, perhaps it was during worship, and you want to go deeper in that, and you want to ask the Father to reveal to you what it is that he wants to shine his light on, um, that I'm going to ask that you would stay in your seat and just put your hands on your heart right now. And I want you guys to pray with me. Lord Jesus, reveal to us any area that's inside of us that you wish to shine your light on out of your love, out of your passion, out of your pursuit towards us. Father, we turn our attention from those things that so easily beset us and turn our eyes on you. We look into your face and receive your light. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, that that light turns everything in the darkness into light. 